welcome to the Corner of Truth and Courage with Tom and Tyler. For the next few days, we will be dealing with the courage needed to stand for truth. Our nation has been blessed of God for many years. Christian morals were considered good. However, we have turned away from God. Now, more than ever, courage is needed to hold our ground. Christians to be the salt and the light in the world. This includes speaking out against wickedness in our society. Having the truth is great, but defending it, even in the face of adversity, is paramount. Truth is under attack in our schools, workplaces, courtrooms, and government. This week, we will look at those who showed courage and took a stand. It's important for us to learn from their actions and follow their example. So tune in as we navigate through the complex realms of truth and courage. Welcome to the corner of Truth and Courage with Tom and Tyler. We are here with you on Tuesday in your week there. And we're talking about the subject courage this week, something that is lacking more and more as time goes on, not only in our pulpits, which we talked about yesterday, but also from those that are sitting in the pews today. And so we want to, again, talk about that. I, I want to share this with you. I had a preacher one time say that he believed that 80% of his congregation was lost. And uh, I wonder if that has to do with courage. I, I don't know. I was going to see what your thoughts were on that. Uh, but let's go ahead and pass it over to you, Tom. Start with that. What do you think about that? How many How many people do you think today are sitting in our pews that are unsaved? Well, that's a an interesting topic to get into. I don't want to get too deep into that. But I, too, believe that a great host, maybe 50% of most churches are filled with false converts. The first book I ever wrote was The Wide Gate Convert. To be a true convert, you have to go through the narrow gate. That leads to life. Mm-hmm. But there's another gate of religion that people are going through that they think is going to lead them to heaven, but leads to destruction. And that is the gate of religion. And I believe many people who have gone through the religion gate of Christianity, they believe a few things mentally, but they've not, they're professors, but not possessors. And that's why there's a lot of impotence in the life of many people. They, they're not truly born again, and they're not seeing changes in their life. They're trying to reform their life. God's not in the reforming business. He's in the transforming business there. But regardless of whether you're saved or unsaved, there's evil that is going on in our community. And many of us profess that we believe God's standard is the right standard, but we're afraid to stand up and speak out for it. And, you know, when you don't see leadership, we talked about yesterday, seeing courage in the pulpit. If we don't see leadership there, it's unlikely that those who are following that man are going to take a stand where they should if the leader will not. But the point I want to get across today is that we also need courage in the pews. People who are going to take a stand, mm-hmm. even if their pastor won't, they need to, to still stand for righteousness. If your preacher won't preach on how to build a godly home, it's still your responsibility as a father to produce a godly home. Now, if your pastor is not teaching you the Bible, then go find a preacher that is. Get out of that church and go find a good church. There's a right way and a wrong way to do that, though. Do it the right way. Uh, but first, go to your preacher and say, Preacher, you know, um, you know, uh, 
you're not preaching the Bible to me. You're not, you know, you're not teaching this uh, here, and it needs to be taught and and stuff. Or if there's a doctrine problem or whatever, you know, and stuff there, there's there's reasons to leave a church. But we need courage. We need people who are going to take a stand, even if it means that mm-hmm. we have to stand alone. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love that passage in the Bible, in the book of Daniel. Here are three men. They weren't preachers. They were just simply slaves. They were captives taken out of their homeland, young men. But they knew certain things were right. They had some teaching of what was right and who God was, and you're not to bow down to any false image or any other God. And they were taken as captives. They probably would have been thought of by many. Well, it's okay. You know, you had no choice. You were going to die if you didn't worship this false God and bow down to that evil idol of Nebuchadnezzar. But they refused to do it. They said, no, we're going to stand for God. And because they had the courage to stand, they said to the king, said, you know, hey, you know, we may burn, but God may choose to spare us. But whether he does or doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your idol. And what courage, that's, that's amazing that they had the courage. They weren't even preachers. Mm-hmm. They were people of the pews. And they stood mm-hmm. up. Now we find later, because of their courage, not only did God spare them, but it changed the king's heart. You continue reading in that chapter that the, the king changed the laws because of mm-hmm. their courage to take a stand. And if there's ever a time that we needed that, we need it now. Let me quote this, and I'll pass this over to you, Tyler. But um, Edmund Burke, who was a British politician, member of the British Parliament, he was probably one of the few men who were actually supportive of the rebellion going on in the colonies, of uh, the revolution. Of course, we just celebrated here recently America's birthday of signing the, the Declaration of Independence. And Edmund Burke said this, all that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Now, many people have quoted that before, and they've heard that quoted. All that's necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And the point is, it's it's an amazing statement because it's so true. But what's also amazing is that if we ignore that, if we do nothing when evil shows up, then we are guilty. We're a party to enabling evil to flourish because we were cowards and we did nothing. Yeah. We need to stand up and speak out <clears throat> against evil because there's a, there's a lot of it in our community. Yeah. I think um, one of the biggest things I've noticed, I was a, a retail manager at Dick's Sporting Goods for a while and, and I don't know if this is my generation or the one just below me, but one of the things I, I noticed was, you know, the employees and things that you have there. We're, su- we're such an entitlement generation nowadays. It's, it's almost as if we assume that everybody kind of owes us the world just for existing, right? Now, now there was a generation not long before us, the baby boomers, where there's too many people, right, and not enough jobs. And, and now maybe that's changed a little bit, but... I do. I, I, you know, it's so cool. We just had VBS here and we had eight little young people get saved. And our, uh, our pastor preached a really great message this last week about how the different times where Jesus 
uses children, right? And there's even times when the disciples are kind of like, shoo, get them away, all this different stuff. You know, the problem is too, I think today is that um, we need to, we need to put a great value on our young people because there's going to be a day, Tom, when you and I are in diapers and they're going to be the ones preaching, right? They're the, they're the ones that are going to be, uh, either holding the fort or not, you know, and, and so that's a big, big deal. You know, if you're, I hope that the churches that we have today are putting time and effort into our young people, um, and teaching them the right kind of values because I'm in fear for our generation. Our generation doesn't care. Our generation, uh, you know, I think of that verse that says they call evil good and good evil. That's what we're seeing today with all the LGBTW, what I can't, I never can't even pronounce all things, but you know, we, we, today that's where we're at. We're calling evil good and good evil. And then also we're complacent and lazy. We really don't care to get involved. I'll be honest with you until I got saved. I have never voted. I never voted. I got saved about six years ago. And, uh, and it wasn't long. My very first year getting saved, I think I was going to not vote again. And I had people get all over me about that, you know, and it's, it's, um, it's important. And, and let me tell you something. It's because of that too, that I believe we have leaders today that are doing the devil's work, essentially not, not, not doing the, the Bible principles that our, our country was founded upon. Well, you know, there've been a lot of studies on this and sadly, the studies haven't changed much, even though we're trying to alter them. The average in just about every congregation, the average number of people that are registered to vote are 50%. Only 50% of the eligible voters in a congregation, only half of that church is registered to cast a vote. And that's a way that you can stand up for righteousness. And you don't have to do that publicly. You just simply go into a box in a private closet, so to speak, make your voice known of who you're voting for, for righteousness. And, and you say, well, I, I, I like these conservative, God-fearing, constitutional people here, and I'm going to put uh, my vote for them, and nobody needs to know. Sadly, though, only half of Christians are registered to do that. Then when it comes time to cast the vote, only half of them actually get out there, drive to the polling uh, area, walk in there, and do the job of casting a vote. So that means if only half are registered and only half of those people actually cast a vote, only 25% of the average church members actually vote in elections. And if anything, we learned how important it is to uh, vote even for local government issues, not just when COVID came out, that showed us how important that was. Yes. Yeah. And let, let me, let me, let me bring you a, a thought that I've had. Okay. I know God's called me to preach and, and not everybody, that's not God's will for everybody. And that's okay. But I like what you said about uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. There were people that saw that Nebuchadnezzar saw that and it made a change in him. And as a Christian, here's a question that I have for you. If you are not willing to stand up, stand up and have courage for the things that God would have you to, how many people don't get to see God in you because you don't do that? You know, those, those are questions that I think about as a preacher. It, if I, if I was to not do whatever God's will is for my life, how many people then don't come to Christ? How many people then don't get to see Jesus through me that would have had a life change, you know, of salvation that they will not get because I am a coward and too afraid to do what God would have me to do. 
Well, you know, there's going to be things that when we get to heaven, we might be able to understand those things because we didn't do that. These things happen. We may have knowledge about that there, but we are in a, we're at a crossroads. And I've had people who were alive during World War II when Hitler was coming to power who pulled me aside and said, Tom, a lot of things that are going on today are very similar to how it was in Europe during that time period. Now, I grew up over in Europe, and so, you know, I have a lot of connections with those people who were, who were there, who saw it, and witnessed these things there. And the biggest problem is that people were afraid to have the courage to speak out. And eventually got to the point that if you did speak out, you could be arrested, thrown in prison, or lost your life. When they had the opportunity to speak and the consequences wouldn't have been as detrimental, they didn't do it. Then things, the consequences got too great, then they certainly were afraid to speak out. And we need now to take things back. We've allowed so much ground to be given away to those who wish for evil, for the transgender nonsense, those things calling good evil and evil good. We're certainly there today, and we need God's people, people in the pews, people in the pulpits, to take a stand and to speak out for righteousness, to be the salt and light. Well, that's going to be it for today. Tomorrow when we come back, we want to talk about some of the lies that are going on that we need to have the courage to speak against. And I hope you'll mm-hmm. join us tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.